For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. We've got a lot of dudes on the podcast today. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting and also with FanRag Sports. Kyle, we are one day away. I'm not going to take any shots at you for any uh, any type of number uh, references. Uh, it's It's Christmas Eve, man. How you doing? Well, thank you very much for having some mercy after the John Beck affair of uh, Monday's show. <laughs> very kind of you. Uh, happy draft Christmas or draftmas to you as well. Uh, man, we're we're getting ready to get on plane here and, and go to yes. Phoenix, and uh, we got a lot of great stuff lined up as far as live coverage, live streaming coverage on NDTScouting.com and FanRag Sports, both Thursday and Friday nights. Uh, for the fine people. But before we do, uh, we have a nice little gang here. We have the entire NDT scouting team here. Uh, Myself, Joe Marino, Roger Dixon, former Florida Gator, National Scout, National Scout Scott Bischoff, National Scout Elliot Christ, and National Scout John Ledyard. 
Uh, John is the newest member of the team, so he's responsible for getting everybody beers. If you need something, just you know, tag him, send I got him a text, you. and he'll run a beer over to you guys right away, okay? I got you. Welcome, everybody, to the NDT Scouting. We're going to put the bow on draft coverage as a team, and we're going to use this opportunity to celebrate the fact that we have a team. Last year, it was just me and Joe, just a couple of dudes, and... Uh, the wolf pack's grown since then. So what we have done is we've lined up uh, four questions. And we're going to go around the table for each one of these questions or statements. Uh, because each one of these guys has put a ton of work into the 2017 class. And we thought it would be really cool to not just give ourselves the platform. Because, heck, if you're listening to this show, you're probably tired of listening to me and Joe talk anyway. Uh, and give the entire NDT team a platform, an opportunity to get some of their takes out there because I know uh, these guys have been grinding nonstop. So, uh, Joe, I'm going to let you MC the first question here, kind of kick us off. Uh, would you care to do the honors? Absolutely. Kyle, uh, the first question for the panel is, give me one thing you feel good about in this draft. It could be a particular player evaluation that you think you nailed, a prediction about where a player is going to be drafted, a prospect comparison, just something that you feel confident about. And as Kyle alluded to, John Ledger, newest member of the staff, you have the floor, sir. Yeah, this is a great question. And I think that we've got a couple options that we're all going to run through that are going to be all answer this really well. But it, from, for me, it was Corey Davis and Forrest Lamp and the fact that you got guys that are, you know aren't, t- aren't from the biggest FBS schools and things like that that you're typically those guys are the ones getting billing is safe pick someone from them. But I really think both of these guys are going to be studs in the NFL. McDavis um, is seventh on my big board. I think Forrest Lamp is 12th, 11th or 12th, I believe. And I just think they're both uh, going to be really good players in the NFL. I don't know if they'll ever be the elite at their position, the top player at their position, but you're not going to have that in every draft. And in this draft, uh, talented as it is, both of these guys are going to stand out. We're going to look back at this draft, and, and if Corey Davis falls as expected, and if Forrest Lamp is drafted somewhere late first round or somewhere like that, somebody's coming away with a steal because I think both of these guys have the refined skill sets, the technique to be able to dominate their positions, the football smarts to be able to dominate their positions, and they're versatile. You can put Davis outside or in the slot, Lamp and zone or power schemes, and I think he does well. So both these guys bring a lot to the table. They're going to be great players in the NFL. John Ledger with the Joe Marino double dip. I like it. Uh, Ellie, Chris, you have the floor, sir. Uh, my guy is Deshaun Watson. He, he deserves to be not only a first-round pick, but a top-ten pick. And this quarterback class isn't as bad as the national media wants to make it out to be. Deshaun Watson is accurate to all levels. Occasionally, he will throw to the wrong shoulder, but it's nothing that can't be fixed. He's uh, got an accurate deep ball. He can throw with touch and velocity. Despite the fact that he threw 49 miles per hour at the combine, I don't care. Throw on the film, he can make any throw. He's got good pocket presence. He can slide in the pocket. He can roll out. He does, he's he's a dual threat quarterback, but he doesn't look to run. His eyes are downfield. His mobility is fantastic, though. If he does get in the open field, he's the best runner in the class. He's not. He's often knocked for his ability to read a defense. Now, what he's special at is his ability to to recognize defenses in pre-snap. He also recognizes zones incredibly well, and he processes information very quickly. It's one of the reasons he had a top five release time in all of college football this year. Um, Now, he threw too many interceptions at 17, but Mark Schofield broke it down, and we saw that less than half of them were actually his fault. He's he's also 
the thing that's going to be talked about him the most is his ability to win. Now, I don't necessarily think that quarterback wins is a stat or that it translates to the NFL, but his fourth quarter um, stats and his ability to perform in the clutch will translate. Deshaun Watson is going to change a franchise. There you have it. There's a strong case for Mr. Watson. Scott Bischoff, who do you have? Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey. Uh, it goes back a ways. I, I, I wrote him up as a sophomore. Uh, there was something about him that I just couldn't figure out. It's uh, stride length. I wrote a big, long article about it. At the end of the day, it's his vision. It's his instincts. They're off the charts. He is a complete back. There is some discussion out there that he cannot run between the tackles. I don't know where that comes from. Uh, somebody said it, turn on the tape. He, To me, he's one of the better between the tackles runners. And then, and, and then when you combine that with the receiving ability, the, uh, the angle routes that he can run out of the backfield, just torching linebackers, the fact that he can run, line up as a slot receiver, uh, you know, I mean, he is a, he is an offensive weapon, uh, almost unlike anybody around right now. I mean, there are guys that are you know running backs that are studs. Le- Le'Veon Bell's a stud. David Johnson's a stud. But when I when I when I see McCaffrey, I I get Brian Westbrook vibes. And in today's NFL, that's a that's a uh, that's a significant weapon. Roger Dixon Jr. The floor is yours. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm saying that Jamal Adams is the absolute best player in this draft, hands down. Um, people know about him, they talk about him, but I feel like they don't talk about him enough. This player is the real deal. Um, if I had to bet my career on one player making it to the Pro Bowl by year three, I'd go with Jamal Adams. I mean, he's sticky in man-to-man coverage. Uh, film shows he has the speed to roam the field, single-high coverage, come down, make tackles, cat-like tw- quickness. Um, his dad played in the NFL, so he's been learning the game for so long, he has a very high IQ. Um, everybody raves about his leadership. Started as a freshman, never looked back. Um, and safeties are at a premium right now because defensive coordinators can disguise their coverage if you have a safety that can either fly in the box, fly into coverage late in the snap count, um, and not give the QB a beat on your cover. So it doesn't get any better than that if you can do that. Um, and he literally told his coach that he's tired of covering tight ends. And that includes O.J. Howard, Kyle, and Joe and uh, my Evan Ingram, because he said they're too easy and he, he's just too bored covering covering them. So, honestly, I feel like he has a case to be chosen first overall, but that'll never be never happen because um, of his position. But this is an opportunity for a team to get their Earl Thomas, their Bob Sanders, their Troy Palomalu. So if you're talking immediate and long-term consistent impact from this class, I'm going with Jamal Adams. Kyle Krabs, what do you have? Well, first of all, this is you want to know how serious you know, and how highly Roger thinks of Jamal Adams. That's a Florida Gator heaping praise on an LSU Tiger. So I think that gives you all the perspective you need there. Uh, the the player I feel really good about this year is Temple's Hassan Reddick. Uh, I believe Dane Brugler from CBS Sports was kind of quote unquote first to this one. Uh, but we went through the Senior Bowl practices, and I was sold as far as the story that he has and being a former walk-on defensive back uh, that bulked himself up and then played a, at, at a pass rusher position and is now going to be transitioned to an off-the-ball, uh, ideally as a middle linebacker. I think he has that kind of range. Uh, and, and where he's had the opportunity to play throughout the career, course of the past four or five years, initially being a defensive back and then playing at the line of scrimmage and playing on the second level 
and, and playing at the second level as a senior in college as well, uh, really lends itself well to him having one of the most versatile, flexible skill sets out of the entire class. He can play through traffic because he's used to playing at the line of scrimmage. He can turn and run with guys down the field and pass coverage because he was a former defensive back. And he's got such an explosive, coiled skill set that I really think this is somebody. Uh, I think he's he's probably going to go in the top 15 picks. I, I expect him to be the top linebacker off the board with everything that's gone through with Reuben Foster over the course of the past couple months. Uh, I think Foster's draft status is going to take a bit of a hit. And I fully expect uh, uh, Hassan Reddick to be the top linebacker selected this week uh, on day one. I uh, I am bringing up the rear here, and I'm going to go with Alabama tight end O.J. Howard um, as the player I f- just feel most comfortable with my evaluation of. And I just cannot imagine a scenario where O.J. Howard's not one of the best five tight ends in the NFL. Uh, he's a dominant run blocker. We've seen that for four years now at Alabama. Uh, this dude moves people off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he can block in space. He can be your lead blocker into the boundary or even between the tackles. Uh, and then his receiving profile, he was criminally underused, but I think we got a taste of everything he has to offer in the two national championship games against Clemson where he was an explosive player. He created yards after the catch, and nobody could match up with him. And, and that's going to be a tall order for NFL secondaries to match up with him because he's so big and so explosive uh, that uh, his his catch radius is massive. I just think he's going to work the seam. He's going to be able to catch balls in the flats and no one's going to be able to tackle him and he's going to be able to run away from people in the the middle parts of the field. uh, Finding space and zone. He does everything. Love him. Have no doubts that he's going to be one of the upper echelon tight ends in the class. Good good group of, uh, of answers there on the first one, folks. Let's move on to question number two. We're going to get into some day three prospects. Uh, we want you to pound the table for a day three prospect. Uh, assume this scenario. We're, we're in the war room. Uh, we're on the clock, and you have 30 seconds to convince the GM that you've got to draft this player. This ought to be a ton of fun. And uh, Kyle Krabs, you have the floor. The name that I'm going with is UNC wide receiver Ryan Switzer. Uh, The only reason why I think he ends up being a day three prospect is because of his stature. But if you look at the impact that he's been able to have on that offense and the opportunity to play with Mitchell Trubisky getting uh, a lot more chemistry routes oriented, you could see just how accentuated the separation that he can make at the top of his routes can be when he's working against uh, safeties and nickel defensive backs in the middle of the field. He has tremendous short area quickness. He runs some of the prettiest routes you will ever see. He's actually capable of getting off of press coverage, which a lot of slot guys really can't hang their hat on and say that that's a true strength of their game. So this is somebody that can win at the line of scrimmage, win down the field, has high-end blue chip short area quickness, uh, is prone to making big plays, is a huge impact on the special teams' return units as well. He's going to make your offense better on third downs. He's going to make your offense better by giving them better field position as a return player, and he's somebody that you want on your football team. Roger Dixon, you're up. So I'm thinking, what do you want out of a day three player? You want a player that doesn't need a lot of reps, but is effective and game-changing in the reps that he does have. So I like Taquan Mazel from Virginia. Now, you want to talk about a weapon and a mismatch coming out of the backfield in the passing game. I mean, this guy, in his juicing season, he set an ACC record with 75 receptions for like 700 yards. Um, over the last two years, I thought he had two drops 
um, with 126 receptions, only two drops. So that's, I mean, when I was watching a film of him, this guy literally destroyed linebackers in his passing game. He was unstoppable, um, just too quick in his route. Defensive backs couldn't even hang with him. So um, even in his running game, his feet were always moving, always looking for the cutback, um, sort of like a LaShawn McCoy, but he doesn't run with that slasher run style. He runs more like a 100-yard track sprinter. Um, and he showed some incredible plays where he had the, the balance to stop on a dime, change direction while working in the phone booth of the trenches. And um, he may be a day three because he's small. He's only 5'10", 180, so he may have some difficulty after contact. But I don't see him as a day three runner. Um, but there are a lot of pl- plenty of teams that, that need that change of pace back in, in a matchup weapon like he is. Scott Bischoff, who do you got? Blair Brown, linebacker, Ohio. Uh, I'm going to assume it's we're going to we're going to be in the fourth or fifth round when we're going to be talking about Blair Brown, five one one four, two hundred thirty eight pounds. This is not a player that's going to help us in the passing game. However, this is a guy who is a run stopping machine. He's quick to re- to read his keys and to react versus the run. He can get up underneath blockers. He can beat angles. He attacks square. He's a very solid, sound tackler. Uh, really good instincts to find the ball. Uh, the negatives are that he's he's got some size limitations. He's short. He's got short arms. Uh, there are times when he can't get swallowed up when he when he loses versus a blocker, and he's not real reliable in in pass coverage. But the reality is, you're getting a two down prospect, two down run defender who will also be a special teams monster. And in round four or round five. When you're gonna get, you're gonna add a guy who's gonna play for you on on a contract for four years, who's gonna play two downs and dominate the run, and give you lots of special teams play. That's very very valuable in today's game. That's the guy I'm pounding the table for. Elliot, Chris, you're up. Pound the table for a day three prospect. Well, if I'm gonna pound the table for anybody, it's gonna be Matt Collins out of North Carolina. I get three things with Matt Collins. I get a receiver that I know is gonna beat people deep. He's got size. Um, at six foot three plus, two hundred twenty plus pounds, he ran a four five four. And if you watch his tape, he's better than that. He can beat press coverage, off man coverage. He's getting open deep, and he's taking the top off the defense. On top of that, he was a special teams captain. He plays special teams with great awareness, and I can have him cover kicks and punts. So I have a guy that I know is going to be one of my special teams aces and can take the top off the of defense. Now the other thing he brings is huge upside. If Matt Collins develops a route tree and is able to stay healthy, he can become one of the, the best number two receivers in the NFL. And if I get all of that in on uh, day three, then I don't even need to say anything else, and the GM's picking my guy. Ledger, who you have? I got Vince Beagle from Wisconsin. Dude plays with his hair on fire. He's everything you'd want in a, in a, in a guy that will probably be on the board day three. Test it off the charts, too, when you compare him to other edges. I love the three-cone drill as a measuring stick for some some aspects of edge play, and he was in the 90th percentile for that. I think he's a 3-4 outside linebacker who is going to be able to drop in coverage when you need him to. Um, he's going to be able to rush the passer at a high level once he figures out a pass rush plan. It isn't going to be year one. But year one, he's going to make an impact on special teams. He'll be a really solid backup. He gives you early down run-stopping presence if you need that. It's got a nice push-pull move. The rest of the pass rush plan has to develop. But you know, one conversation with this guy about football, he eats, sleeps, and drinks it. He loves the game, and I think he's a perfect day three prospect. I'm uh, bringing up the rear on this one, and I'm pounding the table here for Boise State running back Jeremy McNichols. Uh, He's been a monster in production over the last two seasons, over 3,000 yards, 
uh, 44 touchdowns. He can catch the football over 100 receptions in that span of time. Uh, he's the he's that he's that day three running back that's going to become a starter, and this is a great value. He has great vision. He's decisive and commits uh, to his course. He has enough elusive traits that, that he's shifty to make people miss. He's got balance through contact. He's got enough wiggle. Uh, some power traits you wish he had a little bit more finishing ability, but the overall versatile skill set is very appealing, um, and uh, he can play for me on every down and uh, really projects favorably to Maurice Jones-Drew. So I think we can get that type of player uh, to be an immediate backup and eventual starter as a running back on day three. Uh, Kyle, do you want to take over the MC duties here on the uh, the next two? Uh, I suppose I can uh, dust off the microphone and give a little <laughs> bit of manpower to the effort tonight. Uh, number three is give me an I told you so, something that in three years from now you will hang your hat on and, as Joe and I love to do on Draft Dude, sip some tea about. Mr. Scott Bischoff, you are up first. I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette. Uh, with a caveat, if you tell me that Leonard Fournette's going to go to an offense where they're not going to give him the runway he needs to get up to full speed, uh, where their offensive line is not going to play in a power gap system, he's not going to have a fullback, where they're going to try to, to uh, you know run him out of the shotgun and maybe not, not out of the eye formation, I'm going to say that, yeah, I saw that coming, and I talked about that a lot, uh, and that's going to be failure for Leonard Fournette because that just that plays against what he needs and what he has to have uh so end of it if uh if Fournette goes to a place where it's not if it's not perfectly suited for what he needs uh because he cannot create on his own and he's not laterally agile enough to be able to make guys miss he's going to be banged up a lot and he's going to be he's going to struggle to live up to that draft position uh, Mr. Joe Marino, number two. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be sipping tea on Jermaine Illuminer, who's the offensive tackle from Texas A&M. Uh, 6'3 and 7'8", 332, comes in with three, 33 and a quarter inch arms. Uh, moved to the United States from London at age 14. Uh, has a, a rugby and wrestling background. Started playing football his senior year of high school. Uh, wind up getting some offers uh, at a junior college after he dominated there for a couple seasons, every every Power Five school basically wanted him. He commits to Texas A and M and becomes a uh, starter as a senior. And the tape's really, really good. This is a big time people mover. Uh, he he drives people off the ball very, very, very effectively. And then he complements that with pass blocking skills. So he's not just a heavy, uh, a heavy footed right tackle. That's just a big dude. No, this guy can drive block and he can pass protect. He knows how to challenge the edge track and take away those landmarks. He gets his hands involved. Um, he's got some technical stuff to improve, but he's got the physical upside and, and the, the ceiling to get better that I think someone's going to take this player. I don't know where because I, I can see him going day two. I can see him going day three, but you're going to get a quality, quality starting right tackle in Jermaine O'Lerminer, and I'm going to be sipping tea in three years for sure. Yeah, I am up next, and the guy that I'm going to talk about is somebody that I had – uh, opinions on going all the way back to some of the summer work that we did uh, this past year, myself and Joe, and that's on Texas A&M wide receiver Josh Reynolds. Uh, Reynolds was a player that really stood out to me in in our summer work uh, because he is so surprisingly apt at 
contested catchability and high-pointing footballs and you know, not being bothered by bodies up on his frame. And, and that really stood out to me. I thought that this was somebody that had some Josh Doxson-like traits. And Josh Doxson was somebody that we saw with his breakout final season at TCU rise up to, I believe it was 22nd overall uh, to the Washington Redskins. So uh, Reynolds did not have the opportunity to showcase himself to that degree. Uh, a lot of that is a byproduct of two things. Uh, the passing offense at Texas A&M was erratic, to put it kindly, and Reynolds is still working on adding the strength element to his game. But Reynolds is very effective on his vertical routes. He's effective in contested situations to not allow contact to jar his hands and influence him receiving the ball. And this is somebody that for the first time in his career as a senior with poor passing infrastructure around him was actually able to produce over a thousand yards. I think this is a player that's going to be a very strong number two and a big play receiver at the next level. And I saw it coming over the summer. So you guys just remember that Roger Dixon, number four. Oh, this was an easy one for me. Jared Davis. Y'all know how I feel about Jared, Jared Davis. Um, if I have to pound the table for somebody I'm doing with someone I know through and through someone I've done extensive research on, and these teams in the NFL now are looking for linebackers that have the speed to uh, travel sideline to sideline and come with that goddamn on thump. Um, I haven't said it once. I've said it a million times now. Jerry Davis is a potential pro bowler. So, um, Kyle, I'm a little disappointed. You're not hearing me out on this, having him rated about 56 overall with even, like, Bowser, Vallejo ranked ahead of him positionally. But my Ooh. mindset is everyone in the NFL is great. Everyone is athletic and at the peak of their game. Uh, my coaches that I've worked with, that I've also worked with, Darrell Revis, said Revis is Revis because he watches film like crazy. My coaches that have worked with Jordan Nelson, they said Nelson is Nelson because he works on his routes under the midnight stars. So I've been around a lot of winners, and when you're around them, you can feel it. And everyone that's been around Jared Davis has felt it. So three years down the line, I'm sitting back, I'm sipping my tea. And uh, John, since you're the newest one, I'll take my tea with about two mint leaves. <laughs> wow, what a power move. Man, I'm going to just retire. Roger's taking over. Uh, he's, he's the new head of NDT scouting. I'll see you guys later. Uh, Elliot Christ, uh, we're going to save the newbie for last. So, Elliot, you're up next with your uh, uh, T. Kermit. Yeah, this is going to be a tough, tough one to follow, Roger. Thanks for that. But um, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I think you guys are going to know who I'm about to talk about. Mike Williams is the guy I'm going to be sipping a whole lot of tea on um, three years from now, probably much sooner than that. Mike Williams dominates at the catch point. He's got exceptional body control. He's got a developed route tree. His separation is in his size. He can get position on on corners, whether it's an in-breaking post route, and even if the corner's in his hip pocket, he's too big and strong for them to get in his way. He's been... When he runs routes on the outside, he leaves about eight yards off to the sideline as open space, so Watson is really throwing him open. That's going to translate to the NFL with a quarterback that trusts him. He, <laughs> he dominates at the catch point better than any receiver in this class. He caught 53% of his passes over 20 yards. He, had a, um, 20, he forced a missed tackle on 22% of his catches as well. So one of the things that's knocked about Mike Williams is that he can't get yards after the catch. A huge part of this, though, is back to what I was talking about before, with these 20-yard passes 
um, to his back shoulder, where there's he's basically out of bounds or goes to the ground, and there's no room for yard, yard, uh, yards after catch. We saw him against Ohio State break a slant, run 25 yards, he stumbled. If he didn't, he goes 65 yards for a touchdown, and we probably never have this conversation, and he'd be hands down the number one receiver. Unlike Corey Davis, I don't have to worry about his competition level. I saw him dominate Alabama and Ohio State when it mattered the most. Mike Williams is a fantastic receiver that I'm going to be sipping a whole bunch of tea on three now. Mr. John Ledyard. Buda Baker's my guy. And I know he's a popular guy around NDT. We're, we're all kind of pounding the table for Buda Baker, the ones that I know of at least. I mean, super talented kid. He's in my top 10. He's number nine on my board. Uh, I think he brings everything to the table. He can start right away for you in the slot if you need him to. He'll have no issues there. He can start on the back end. I, he didn't play a ton of single high at Washington, but I think he has the range and the athleticism, definitely has the IQ and route recognition to be able to do that at a high level. If you want to pass on him because he's small, that's fine, but he's not a slightly built small guy. He is a stocky small guy and he pops you he runs support angles tackling form it's all fantastic will he ever miss a tackle sure list me the safeties in the class that won't miss a tackle because there aren't any they all do and baker doesn't miss him nearly as much as anybody a lot of these other guys in the class so buddha baker is can do so much for your defense he's the perfect versatile piece for an nfl defense today to be able to match up with different options i don't like tea but i'm sipping straight scotch when buddha baker's a star in the nfl (laughs) now, now you're talking my language so a lot of great answers there. We have one more for the round table. Uh, Joe, I'm going to kick this to you first. Give me a player that is going to drop in the draft, someone that there is a perception on as a highly rated player uh, that is not proportionate to where they will actually hear their name called this weekend. Yeah, so I didn't want to go with, you know, there's a lot of guys with issues right now. So I wanted to go a little bit off the radar here. And I want to talk about LSU linebacker Duke Riley, who I'm starting to see more and more, you know, paying attention to people's boards and stuff. And I'm seeing him as a, as a rated in the second round. And I, I don't see that. Uh, for me, he's a fifth round value. Actually, the bottom of the fifth round value. Um, he's a one year starter, finally got a chance to start as a senior. And, um, you know, he is one of those fast-to-flow type linebackers that reads his keys and works with the football. He's got a lot of range and mobility and space, but uh, there's some notable gripes that I have on him first. His tactically tackling technique uh, has to improve. He doesn't arrive to the football square or in position to make tackles. Uh, he's, he's guilty of latching on from the side and inevitably sliding off thighs. Um, I think he really needs to work on how he takes on blocks and, uh, you know, challenging with his hands and playing through blocks he gets stuck all the time and then his angles are, are really inconsistent how he works with the football so to me this is more of a core special teamer and backup than a starter so um that's my guy duke riley lsu he's gonna slide elliot chris next up on deck uh my guy's deshaun kaiser quarterback of notre dame now if if it was up to kaiser i think he would have already been selected as the first overall pick since he's you know, Tom Brady and Cam Newton's body. But Eric Galco of Ottoman Scouting has been talking about teams are starting to have Christian Hackenberg-like thoughts on Kaiser. When you throw on his tape, his mechanics are inconsistent, and his accuracy is terrible. He's consistently throwing the ball in the dirt when a receiver's open 10 yards away or even on a flare-out. That drives me nuts. Um, his flash plays are fantastic, and if you just watched his highlight reel, you would think that he was the number one overall quarterback. But when you break down his film, there's all kinds of inconsistencies. Um, he, he's more inconsistent than he is consistent. Um, 
Kaiser is a guy that a lot of people are excited about because of his highlights, but because of the questions of him, his maturity and his consistency, I see him dropping in the draft. Scott, give me another one for us. John Ross, uh, wide receiver from Washington. I'm, I, I would imagine some people will be surprised to hear that name, but uh, <laughs> I know it's a little out of the box, but um, when I watch him, he has very poor play strength. I know he's explosive. Obviously, he's incredibly fast. Uh, you know, but the issue is the medicals. Uh, he's got a small frame. He's 5'11", 188 pounds. Uh, you know, uh, January of 2015, he has a right meniscus repair and microfracture. April of 2015, he has a left ACL repair. Uh, after the combine this year, he has a right shoulder repair. Those are significant injuries. I mean, I mean, those are significant injuries for a guy with a very small frame. I could see teams, uh, maybe not teams just pulling him off the boards, but I could see him falling in the draft. You know, at one point in time, he was being talked about as maybe the number one or number two receiver uh, in the draft. And I just I think he's going to fall a little bit simply because of the of the medicals. It's just the medical is just horrendous in that scenario. Yeah, and I think each of these last two from Elliot and Scott, they're uh, examples of kind of the ebb and flow of the draft process, right? Where you you watch in film or you you watch a highlight tape and you get excited. And you know, this really strikes me as cooler heads are are hopefully going to prevail this weekend. Uh, because both of those two, I know, uh, throughout the course of draft, dudes, uh, Joe and I, this this off season, and also in talking to all of you guys, uh, we really haven't felt that that's been an accurate depiction on their value and where teams are going to draft them. Uh, Roger, you got another one, then John, and then I'll I'll wrap it up for us after that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really feeling a Doy Jackson. I know that he's a dynamic athlete. Um, yeah, he can be used in a return game. He can be used on offense if a team is crazy enough to do it. Um, but his prime position is defensive back, and he needs a lot of work. His feet work, technique, just not ready for day one competition. So um, the way he got beat by John Ross, what we were just talking about, um, there are plenty of other receivers that are going to do it to him if he doesn't clean up his technique. It just wasn't John Ross that was beating him during the season. So he needs a lot of work. Um, maybe if a team falls in love with him, reaches for him. Um, but they really shouldn't be looking for him until the third round, but he should be chosen in the fourth round in my eyes. Um, he's a great athlete, but he needs time to develop. So um, when when you, when a team takes a player in the first two rounds, they should be ready day one. I mean, there's enough depth in this draft to be able to do that. So I'm not trying to knock Adore Jackson too much, but what I'm saying is uh, I hope a team doesn't fall in love with him and end up reaching for him because right now he's pretty one-dimensional, can only be used in zone coverage, and he needs a lot of developmental work. Um, I do hear some people saying he could possibly go in second round, but I don't think he will or he should. That's going to be an interesting one to watch because he was actually invited to Philadelphia. So usually I, I believe the statistic is over the last five years, 80% of draft invites have gotten taken in the first round. Uh, so if you're going off of law of averages, four of the 22 players that are in Philly uh, will be still sitting there on Friday. Interesting to see if Jackson is one. Uh, John, go ahead. You've got the, the next one, and I'll wrap us up after that. Yeah, I got Malik McDowell, and it's more so because of I think coaches like to be able to control the environment, and I don't know that we know that that's successful with Malik McDowell. You know, from what we've heard at Michigan State, it seemed like, and what he said at the combine, 
seemed like he was pretty open about the fact that he kind of did his own thing there. And um, the coaches tried to get him to buy in and tried to get him to play their way. And he kept playing his way. And it was successful, let's be honest. And I think that, uh, you know, eventually they just kind of threw up their hands with him. And so uh, there's somewhat of level of a disconnect there. And his landing spot's going to be really important to bridging that gap, I think, because this guy's a freak, man. I think he's so talented. I think he's smart. I think he's football smart. He knows what he's doing out on the field. Uh, I think he reads his visual keys really well and attacks them. Um, yes, there's times where he freelances and he tries to just be the guy and make a play. Um, and and to be honest, you got to be able to harness that, but also coaches got to note that and be able to utilize that. You know, use him in the best way. Uh, possible snap to snap i think his landing spot's going to be very interesting to watch uh, but i think he's going to slide on draft day he's i think he's going to be in the late first early second round portions where we're going to end up for a guy that for me is the number six overall player in the draft and you could make an argument as the the second highest ceiling after miles garrett sure uh the the last one the one that i'm bringing <laughs> to the table here is uh ohio state's gary on conley obviously that there's been some news that's came out over the past couple of days regarding Conley, and uh, he's been accused of a, a rape case in Ohio, in Cleveland, uh, going all the way back to the first week of March. Uh, first of all, let's hope that this is not true, because if it is true, he should never play it down. Uh, if it is not true, and it is a, a false claim, uh, Conley's realistically looking at... Uh, a 48-hour window now, or or even as this goes live tomorrow, a 36-hour window where teams need to find out. If teams do not have an answer, they will take him off the board. You saw this happen a couple years ago with Lyle Collins, where something happened very short time window before the draft. Teams do not have the, the time and ability to collect the needed information to be able to safely assert this is somebody that is innocent or this is somebody that is guilty. And you saw him drop through the entire draft. Some of that was by request uh, by Collins and his agent wanting the opportunity to have the flexi- flexibility uh, to pick where they land if their hand's going to be forced in that regard. But the timing for this is really disconcerting as far as assuming this is a false claim. Uh, Conley is going to see his stock plummet unless NFL teams are able to quickly assert. And the one thing that that we have to watch for as this builds into tomorrow is uh, this claim came through at the beginning of March. So there's a possibility that the NFL has known about this longer than the media has known about this. And if a police report was filed uh, at the beginning of March... Some of that information may be collected. Authorities may have that information, and the NFL being the NFL may be able to access to that. So if you hear Gary on Conley's name somehow managed to be called on Thursday, it tells you teams found out what they need to know. That is going to do it for us here tonight on The Draft Dudes. I would like to, first of all, thank each and every one of you uh, here today as part of the NDT scouting team Uh, for taking time, carving time out. I know this is a busy time for all of us as we really get down into the actual draft itself, and this weekend's going to be crazy for all of us. 
Uh, but each one of you, I feel very thankful to have all of you as a part of the team. I want to thank you for the commitment that you've made to be here, not just tonight, but in general, and be a part of what we're trying to build. Uh, from from the very bottom of my heart, this is a project I started four years ago, and I'm, I'm just so honored to be surrounded by so many smart football people that care about the game as much as I do. So thank all of you, and I want to thank the listeners at home as well. Uh, you have followed me and Joe since September when we partook on a daily podcast for the NFL Draft. Uh, over 140 episodes, over 76 hours of audio content since that time frame. Uh, what a trip it's been. Really looking forward to recapping 2017 NFL Draft for each and every one of you and kicking off 2018 shortly after that. I am Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino and the entire NDT Scout team, Roger, Scott, Elliot, and John. We are the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we will catch you on the other side. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.